Well, if you would, grab your uh, Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 38. Isaiah, it's kind of towards the middle of Scripture there. Isaiah, it's in the Old Testament. Uh, you can follow along with us on the central hub. Isaiah chapter 38, we're going to start in verse 1. I don't know if you can relate to this, but uh, there are definitely moments and seasons in our life where we feel like uh, we hit a wall. And uh, we feel like we start feeling resistance or things are going good and then all of a sudden it's like the bottom just drops out. And we have phrases that we say uh, in, our, in our lives that says, well, it, when it rains, it pours. Like, I don't know that I can handle one more setback, one more challenge, one more thing. And, and things may have been going good, but all of a sudden they're not so good anymore. What do we do in those moments uh, what do we do in those things? Well, well we're going to take a look at, at a man, uh, one of the kings of Judah. His name was Hezekiah. And uh, we find some of his story in uh, the prophet Isaiah's writing in Isaiah 38, starting in verse 1. Watch and, and notice how these things happen for him. Now, things are going good. The country's going good. He was a good king. He, he really did honor God for, for most of his reign. Things were going well. But in verse 1 of chapter 38, listen, listen to what happens. It says this. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Some of you were like, I'd like that heads up, Lord. Uh, if, I, if, it, if my time is ending, would you just give me a little bit of notice? Sometimes we don't get that notice, though. But I'm thankful that God is always with us. Look how, look how Hezekiah responds to his whole world getting, getting shook. Watch, watch what happens. Verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And he wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayers and seen your tears, and I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. Things started to turn around, and it's like new life shows up in Hezekiah. It's like, Oh, okay, okay, I have a little bit of hope now. I, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all the, uh, okay, sorry. Uh, uh, Hezekiah had this turnaround moment where everything seemed like it fell out, where the bottom dropped out, where he was going good, things were going good with God. He had a great relationship with God. Things in the kingdom were going well. Everybody was at peace. Things were happening. All of a sudden, now a king's attacking him. King Assyria's coming against him, and he's all upset about it. And all of a sudden, his health now, he's got no more life. End of days, get your will in order. Call the family in. It is done. And he responds differently. He responds in this moment of repentance. He responds in this moment of recognizing that, that for, for whatever reason, even though things were going good, it was almost as if he was taking credit that they were going good. And the Bible says because of his pride and because of him trying to control his own life and because of things were going good and going smooth and he was just gonna keep doing it his own way now. It's like, hey God, thanks for the heads up and, and for the handout. Thanks for helping us get this kingdom going, but, but I think we've got it from here. 
And he started to do it in his own way and in his own effort. And it was in that moment that things started to halt again. And he felt this resistance. And he came up against this bad news moment. And in that moment, he had a decision. He could keep trying to do it on his own, keep trying to do the same things that were working, but now are no longer going to be working. He could could have done all those things, but the Bible says that he stopped, he repented, and he cried out to the Lord. Uh, In this series that we've been in here at Church Freedom, we've been in it for 12 weeks now, which is a really long time for us to study any one thing, for sure. Uh, But we've been in this series, and during this series, many of us have had these moments where we've come face-to-face with the reality that our pride has gotten in the way. We've come face-to-face with the reality that our unforgiveness and our bitterness and our offense has been holding us hostage, and we've been carrying around this weight that we don't need to carry around anymore and we've come to the realization that all of a sudden we may have been struggling or things have been going good and all of a sudden we we found ourselves turning back to God and many of you have experienced this sense of real freedom in your life over the last several weeks and we come to these moments where it's like oh I can breathe again oh I can I can, I, I, I can see again, oh, I, I've got like a new lease on life. My, my relationships aren't as rocky as they were. I, I'm seeing new things. God has, God has given me a new sense of hope. I've got a little bit more confidence. And, and we can relate to this reality that Hezekiah walked through where, where all of a sudden we, we've had this moment of just like, oh, okay, this weight is lifted and we've been set free in so many ways. The question is, are we going to do like Hezekiah tried and try and just Thanks, God, for the heads up. Thanks for helping pick us out of the muck and the mire and out of the devastation. Now I got it. I'm going to move forward on my own. Are we going to to go forward and try and create our own momentum? Or is there another way to move forward to where we move forward with God, where we move forward with more of his promise, where we move forward with more of his presence, more of his power, where we move forward and we no longer go back? Because some of us get stuck in this cycle. Life goes bad. We come to church. We turn to God. Life starts to even out. It goes smooth for a while. We start to give. We serve a little bit. We're pretty faithful. Things are smoothing out, smoothing out, smoothing out. We hit some adversity. We hit some challenges. We get some bad news. Tragedy starts to show up. We hit rocky points in our faith and we start to doubt and worry. And we're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe this isn't the right way. I'm going to try and do it on my own in my own strength. And I'm going to sleep in and I'm not going to commit and I'm not going to, not going to serve. I'm not really going to share my faith. I'll read my Bible when I have time. I'm going to really do this. I'm going to Netflix and chill more than I you version and, and journal I'm gonna I, and we start finding ourselves slipping back into old patterns the old ways we decide that this area isn't one worth forgiving we're just gonna al- allow them to deal with their own and we're just gonna say peace we're gonna go our own way you go your own way and only to never talk again and and all of a sudden then 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 we come to this realization that that's not working anymore we're not happy we have no hope we're, we're carrying around weights that we shouldn't carry around so we go back to God and we start the cycle all over again Again and again, walking through this cycle where things go good and we return to God and everything is great, but then we do it in our own strength and our own ways and we quit really surrendering and we go all the way back and we find ourselves trapped again and then we come to God and God hears us and he forgives us and we move forward because God's faithful like that. He will always forgive you. He will always bring you back. He will always help you and give you a hand. Anytime you call on the Lord, the Bible says he'll respond and be there. That's the goodness of our God. But the question is, do you wanna get off that cycle and finally for the first time start not only feeling free, but moving forward with some momentum so you build some strength. 
If you're one of those people that are like, I don't want to go back in that cycle. I don't want to get stuck in that way. I want to move forward. I want to build some spiritual momentum in my life. I want to keep winning in life. I want to move forward in victory. If that's you, then today's message is just for you. I came to help us understand how can we move forward in our faith with some momentum to where it's like a snowball that little by little it gains steam as it rolls down this hill of life and you're gonna hit bumps, you're gonna hit other things along the way, but you're gonna keep moving forward. You're not gonna go backwards. You're not gonna shrink back and retreat. You're not gonna go back to the old patterns and the old ways and the old things. No, you're gonna move forward with some momentum never to be the same again, only to take new ground, only to see God's promises fulfilled, only to really see the life and the maturity and the health of your faith really begin to take root and move forward so that you have real life transformation. I wanna help us with that today. That's the journey that, that most of us have been on. We've, we've been freed and we feel good but it's time to no longer stay empty. It's time to be filled back up and move forward. See, a cup is great when it's clean and it's empty. And you can see, it's like, okay, yeah, it's good. It's clean. It's empty. It's, it's free. We, t- we talked about that last week a little bit in our sermon, Cracked Pots. And we all, we all talked about how we're all cracked pots. We're all a bunch of just cracked pots. That's who we are. It's the story of our lives. And Jesus does want to come. He does give us freedom. He does set us free. He does something in our life that purifies us, that cleans us, and that's wonderful. We all like clean cups. But clean cups, that's not the purpose of a cup. Nobody looks at a cup and says, that cup is clean. It is fulfilling its purpose. No, the purpose of a cup is to be cleaned, to be filled up, to provide refreshment. Cheers. That's the point of a cup, to be a carrier in a container that delivers refreshment to somebody who needs it. God did not set you free just so you could sit empty. God didn't set you free just so that you can feel good. He actually set you free so that you could move forward and accomplish something in the kingdom of God. Hezekiah understood that. He had this awakening in his moment. Not only did he repent and have this moment where he came back to the Lord and the Lord healed him and set him free, he tells us a little bit of how to move forward with momentum, never to go back again. And we find that, that hint or that clue in, in, in Isaiah 38, starting in verse, verse 18. Skip a few verses with me. You're gonna go to verse 18. He starts to pray and, 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 and talk aloud. And this is what Hezekiah says. He says, For the grave, it cannot praise you. Death, it it can't sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit, they, they cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Parents, they tell their children about your faithfulness, God. The Lord will save me and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. I believe Hezekiah was kind of cluing us in and giving us a little bit of a hint. And he was saying and letting us know, listen, if you want to move forward, 
If you don't wanna go back to the moment where you're dealing with it on your own, where you're walking in your own pride, you're trying to do it on your own, and you're ready to get off this sick cycle, but instead to push past this moment of feeling forgiven and free and really step into a new level, really step into a new place, really step into strength, really step into maturity, really step onward and forward. If you're really gonna move forward with some momentum in your life, the key is found in living a life of worship. He says, we're gonna, we're gonna praise you all day. The dead, they don't get to praise you, God, because they're dead. But while there is breath in your lungs, if you wanna build momentum in your life, in your faith, in your spiritual life, if you wanna build that momentum, it's gonna require you to make a choice to be a person of worship. See, the goal in life is not to just survive. The goal is to thrive. Jesus didn't die on the cross just so that you can feel good. He did it so that you could move forward in victory. The goal in the game of football is not, here's a double negative for you, it's not to not lose. That's a terrible way to play football, not lose. Well, we really hope not to lose today. Terrible approach to athletics. Terrible approach to life. No, the better thing is that we're gonna go on offense and we're gonna win. We're gonna score. We're gonna win. We're gonna take the fight on our own. We're gonna move forward and fight and go against it. Listen, we talked last week, the enemy of your soul doesn't want you to win. He wants you to lose. He wants you to lose big time. He wants you to lose in your marriage. He wants you to lose in your finances. He wants you to lose in every relationship that you've ever had. He wants your life to totally suck and be destroyed. And the only way you win is not by, oh, don't mess with me today. I'm gonna put up my defenses and I'm gonna pray my scriptures and do my crosses and I'm gonna just not, not die. I'm, I'm, my goal at the end of the day is just to still be alive. That's not what God has for you. God's gonna help you to do all those things, absolutely. But he actually wants you to move forward in victory. He wants you to go on the offensive and do some winning. He wants you to go and take the fight to the enemy. See, for, for many of us, we were dead on the inside. And God made us alive. And, and we, we have a tendency to take another step from being dead to, to recognizing, okay, I need to do something. And we live with this sense of duty. But God doesn't want us to stay in this place of duty. In fact, we talked about that in this series. Like That's religion. He doesn't want us to play the religious game. We think that we need to play the religious game because we don't like feeling dead on the inside. And so we feel like if we play the religious game, then we won't feel dead. And so we feel duty to do all those things. And we live in this place of duty. And for many of us, we move past this place of duty to discover real devotion with God, to have a life-giving relationship with God that's growing and evolving and interactive and good and pleasing. And we have this place of devotion. Friends, God doesn't want you to stop at having a life of devotion. He wants you to become dangerous. He wants you to become dangerous. He wants you to live in such a way that you are robbing hell of its population. He wants you to live in a way that you are glorifying and honoring God, not to where you're no longer struggling with addiction, but now you're pulling other people who were in addiction up out of their addiction. 
He wants you to live in such a way that you're not just helping people whose marriages were totally ruined and on the brink of devastation. He wants you to come to the point where you're helping other people get their marriages to past the point of total brink and devastation. He frees people to free people. He saves people to save people. He rescues us from darkness so we can rescue other people from darkness. And if we're gonna be on the offensive, we need to understand what our weapons are. Worship is your weapon. Hezekiah was letting us know if we're gonna get past this moment, if we're gonna break the cycle, if we're actually gonna build forward momentum of our faith, we've got to be people of ceaseless worship because worship is our weapon. Psalms 149 and verse six says it like this. God's high and holy praises fill their mouths for their shouted praises are their weapons. Their shouted praises are their weapons. Listen, worship is a weapon that God has given to you. If you don't wanna retreat, if you don't wanna live in a defensive position and posture, if you're ready to take ground and build forward momentum, it's because you become a person of worship. Pastor, what do, you, what do you mean? Well, here, let me, let me tell you what the Bible says worship is. Worship is acts of service to, towards other people. Worship is words of praise. When you tell your story of what God has done for you, you're giving God praise. That's worship. When you encourage somebody else, that's worship. When you give financially to the kingdom of God, that's, that's an act of, of worship. When you sing on key, off key, no key. It's worship. The Bible goes as far as to say, just make a joyful noise. Just, would you just make a joyful noise to the Lord? Right? Some of you are proficient at duck calls, but you haven't figured out how to lift a voice of praise to God. God just says, make a noise. I don't care if you quack like a duck. Give it to God. Okay, that's not true. Y'all start quacking up in here. We got ushers that can take care of you. Lay hands on you and set you free. Worship, it's singing to the Lord. It's clapping. It's dancing. It's kneeling before God. It's lifting your hands to God. Well, pastor, that, I, don't, I don't know if you're, you're aware of this, pastor, but there are different styles of worship in church. I mean, you, I come from a more contemplative worship style. I mean, it works great for you charismatic-like people, you people that have have like that personality that's expressive. You extroverts, I mean, that's, that's good for you guys. I think that's why God gave it that, but we're all different. Friends, worship is not a church style. Worship is not a personality. Worship is actually about obedience. He doesn't say lift up hands if you're an extrovert and put on deodorant today. He said lift up holy hands. Who's supposed to lift up holy hands? Anybody that's got hands. He didn't say, he said, make a joyful noise. He said, let everything that's got breath praise the Lord. Clap in the sanctuary. Kneel before the God, your maker. I could go on and on and list scripture after scripture. God is the one who is getting the affection. Therefore, he's the one that gets to decide what kind of affection he wants. It's not an issue of, I just, just not my thing. It's not my, my style. I'm just not that way. I just, I didn't shower real good last night. I just don't feel it today. This isn't my song. If you'd go back to Reckless Love, I'd, I'd worship to that one. I like that song. 
No. At the end of the day, your choice not to worship is a choice not to obey what God has said his people do. We don't worship a certain way in a certain style because we're a certain brand of Christianity. We worship in a certain way in a certain style and we encourage you to lift your hands and to sing out loud and to close your eyes and to kneel and to clap along. We do all of those things because we believe the Bible and we want to honor God with everything that we have. And this whole thing is about him, so if this is what he wants, then we're gonna do it. If God told us to do something different and if he gave different instructions for what worship looks like, that's what we'd be doing. But he told us what worship looks like. He told us what it is. And you have to understand that when you worship the way God says, it becomes a weapon against the enemy that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Worship is your weapon. Worship is your mood changer. Worship is better than the pills that you've been taking to, to, to medicate your mood. Worship cures those things. It's a choice. It changes your perspective. Why? Because the Bible says in God's presence is joy. You don't need to take uppers if you're in the presence of God. I, I'm, just not, I'm not saying that it's wrong to take those. I'm just saying that God's presence is a remedy for a lot of stuff in our lives. And I believe we need to go seek doctors and we need to have the medications. I'm, I'm a 100% on that train. I'm with you. But at the end of the day, if you want to win and thrive in your life, if you're going to advance and find momentum, it's going to be because you decide to become a person of worship and you recognize that worship is your weapon. Worship not only is our weapon, but, but worship releases God's presence and it unlocks the Spirit's power in our midst. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is. The Bible says that he inhabits, he dwells, he hangs out, he gets into chill mode where his people are praising him. The, the word says that he tabernacles where praises is going up. In other words, where you begin to praise and worship God, God comes, I'm gonna go hang out with those people for a little while. And, and so if you feel like God is far away, start worshiping and he'll draw near in that moment, whenever you need it, at any time of the day. It unlocks something in us. Listen, God didn't come just to empty you out in a cup. He actually wants to fill you with his presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel chapter 47, there's a, um, a vision that the Ezekiel the prophet has. And it's a vision of, of God's temple and his throne and uh, he sees there at the throne that, that there's water, a river flowing out of the, from underneath the throne of God. And this river was an amazing river because the river would, would turn salty things into fresh things. The, the, the river would, would take things that were sick and make them healed. The river took things that were lifeless and created life in them. This river was just this amazing thing. And the river represents God's spirit, the Holy Spirit and his presence in the life of believers. And at, at the beginning of it, he saw the river flowing out of the temple, and uh, it says that first he was there and he was ankle deep. He put his ankles, his feet into the water of the river, and it was a refreshing river. I think, think many of us, this is kind of our approach to worship in the presence of God. Like we're, we're here, our, our feet are in the water, we listen to the songs, we observe other people worshiping, and we're like, oh, this is nice, I like this. I feel peace here. This is good, I like it. And, 
just nice little refreshment, a little flippity flop of the water. It's like, okay, yeah, this is good. Feet are firmly ground. We're not crazy. We're just like experiencing, taking it all in. And it's, it brings some refreshment to us, but, but that's as deep as we go. The, the vision goes on, and it says, then, then he takes some more steps, and all of a sudden, then he becomes knee-deep in the river. He could feel the current a little bit, recognize that something's happening in this river, recognizing something's going on, and, and kind of enjoying it, finds that it's cool, it's refreshing, and, and many of you, that's been your experience with the presence of God. You, you've gone a little bit further into to worship, gone a little bit further into learning about the Holy Spirit. You're, you're there, and you're like, you know that there's a current, there's something going on. You know that like while you're here, like you could just feel it, like the bumps happen on your arms, and like you're just like feeling good, and you're like, okay, this is cool, and you might like even like hip tap a little bit like you listen to the music you're like yeah I like this little tap I'm gonna tap my hip right along with it just try and do it on rhythm as much as I can I, I, I'm challenged sometimes with that rhythm thing but I'm gonna try it I'm gonna be right here and you might even mouth some of the words like real quiet like it is well 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 yeah well oh I like this song this is a good song look around you might like one eye closed but not two eyes because you don't trust your neighbor they might steal your wallet you're like I, I ain't sure about these people and you definitely aren't going to lift your hands because that's just giving them all access. You're like, no, 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 one hand right here. They ain't, they ain't going to steal my money. No, uh I got it right here. And you're right there. You feel that current. But the vision goes on to say it wasn't just ankle deep. It wasn't just knee deep. The river had the availability to at least go waist deep. And it's at this moment you really start to feel the refreshing. You really start to feel God's spirit in the place. You begin to understand that there's something more to this, that this really is a refreshing. And, and so when, when you take those steps to go ankle deep, to knee deep, and now waist deep, you're, you're willing at this point to close your eyes and to really maybe even lift your hands, not high because, you know, it's just, you're just not there yet. You're just going to kind of right here rock the baby with it, right? You're just going to rock, rock a little baby, hands out in front of you, just ever so, so slightly. And you'll close your eyes and you'll sing a little bit louder as long as you know the words and like them. And you're, you're in, you're, you're in there a little bit and you know that because you've gone that far, you know it's done something in you. You know what it feels like to be in God's presence. You know what it feels like to, to sense the Spirit's power at work and you know it's there and it's a wonderful thing and, and it's great for Sundays. But the vision doesn't stop at waist deep. See, as he goes one more step in and it, at this point it's like, full on in the river, cannonballed in, can't touch the bottom no more, fully swimming around, the current is moving and at work, and that's the picture of the Spirit's work in our lives, where, where we fully surrender to who He is, where we fully welcome Him into our lives, where we become a person who is passionately pursuing the presence of God every day of our lives. These are the people that you see on Sunday whose hands are up from the minute. They're clapping right along. They're singing. They're worshiping with what looks like abandonment and passion. And you might even say, that's a little bit much. They need to dial that one back a little bit. Like you're just not sure about them, but they know what it's like to be fully in the river. They know that they can't live without the presence of God. They know that as they worship, something unlocks within them and God shows up and the Spirit fills them with His fullness. And they know that in this moment, their worship is a weapon, not just a cry of desperation. It's not just a cry for people who are desperate, who are hard on their luck, who have no other option. No, it's for people who know I'm doing damage right now. I'm taking the fight to the enemy. My worship is my weapon. I'm gonna live in the presence of God. I'm gonna be a person of worship. 
my, my prayer for us, church, not that we would just be emptied and freed and cleansed. My prayer for you is that you would become a person passionate about the worship and the presence of God. And every time you worship, you're letting the Spirit fill your cup with what you need for that day, what you need for that moment, what you need, that you would become expressive in your worship, not because we're trying to create a brand or a style of worship, but because we know this is what God says in his word. We know that this is what God does. We know that this is what God responds to. We know that that we're just here in a position to actually now funnel his presence into our lives. I want to help you with something. Worship you can worship confidently because of Jesus' blood. You might be saying, I, I don't lift my hands because I had a really, I mean, Friday night was a binger. It was lit. I'm not, I, can't worship, I can't worship on Sunday because Friday was woo. You're not worshiping because of your own merit or your own blood to begin with. You, you come in and you worship because Jesus said that you could. Because when you repent and you give it to the Lord, he cleanses you with his blood. And he's the one that makes you right and worthy to be here to begin with. You can worship with confidence because of Jesus' blood. We, we worship corporately in a place like this. Why? Because we're the body of Christ. We collectively together when we come and fit and we offer something, we come together. And when we worship corporately, God does something in our midst that is undeniable, that is transforming, that moves us from this moment to Thursday's moment. We're the body of Christ, and so we worship corporately. It's what we do. It's not just because it's Sunday, not just because we need a warm-up act before the pastor gets up. We, We worship because we are literally the body of Christ. So we worship corporately. Last, last thought is this. We make a decision to worship consistently. Why? Because the enemy is constantly attacking. That's why. We make a decision that we're going to worship constantly because you are always in a battle. And you always need the weapons of warfare. They're not carnal, the Bible says. In other words, they're not fleshly weapons, but they are mighty in God to pull down some strongholds. Why do we constantly, why do I want you to worship on Monday? Why do I want you to worship while you're mowing the yard? Why do I want you to worship while you're working out? Why do I want you to worship while you're cooking up an amazing meal? Why do I want you to worship as you're going to sleep at night? Why do I want you to worship when you're on your way to work and you're having your coffee in the morning? Why do I want you to worship every day? Because you need to walk in victory every day and the enemy's gonna attack you, but you can attack him and take it right to him. Because worship is your weapon. you win so worship consistently worship consistently listen you we've said it from the beginning you are free to pursue God you're free you're also free not to that's the beauty of freedom you 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 are perfectly free to go back and hit repeat the cycles bottom out repent find a little bit of breath, go back and, and fall again. You're, you're fully welcome to stay in that cycle. God's going to love you. He's going to be there with you. He's going to walk with you. That is a choice you are more than capable and, and, and possible to make. That's a choice you can make. You're free to do that. 
but you're also free not to. You're also free to do it a little different. You're also free to build some momentum and move forward in your life in a totally different way. And if you want to move forward, if you want to do that, you need to understand that your momentum forward is propelled by your personal decision to go deeper in a life of worship. That's, it's propelled by your personal decision to not just hang out on the riverbanks with the ankles. It's your personal decision to not just go knee deep, tapping a little bit, bobbing your head, singing a song here or there. It's personally your decision. It's gonna be propelled to move forward because you decide to go waist deep and really begin to worship, really begin to lift your hands and sing, really begin to get on your knees before God and talk to Him. It's really gonna be because you decide to go all in and say, Holy Spirit, fill me with everything you got. I want all that you've got. I want all of you and less of me, where you really decide, I'm gonna make a decision to sacrifice and surrender and say, Jesus, I'm all yours. You're free to do that. And if you wanna move forward in your faith, if you wanna have forward momentum, you will become a person of worship with complete, no limits. God's getting everything. Doesn't matter your personality. Doesn't matter if you're reserved. Doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Because when you get passionate about something, when you recognize there's something to celebrate, I've, I've been to Chief Stadium. Like, I, I've seen some grown men. <laughs> Had to use my filter. Stand up, act a fool. I've seen it. I've seen moms clap for their kids who do something on the stage that really ain't all that impressive, but they go crazy. I've seen it. My question is, are you willing to do that for the Lord and recognize that there's a weapon involved in it? There's something that unlocks the presence and the power of God in your life. Would you be willing to be a person this week to say, I'm gonna take one more step? I, I'm going to go beyond what I'm comfortable. I'm going to, I'm going to go beyond what my contemplative background is. I'm going to go beyond my personality and not worry about me, but I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to worship God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength. I wonder what would happen if there would be a church, a group of people who would be willing to stand up and say, God, I've got, I'm giving you my all. Every time we gather, we're going to worship you because it's about you. It's not about us. We're going to do it your way. We're going to recognize that we're not going to get stuck in some sick cycle, but we're going to take steps of faith. We're going to move forward in victory. We're going to overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We're going to be a people of worship because worship is our weapon and it unlocks the presence and the power of God. We don't want to be a bunch of empty cups. We want to be filled up and poured out again and again and again because freed people, free people. stand with me would you bow it just in a moment just here before the Lord just Holy Spirit what would you be saying to us today what is it you want to say to us Holy Spirit you're here and you know that your next step you know that the thing that you need to do is to take another step in, in worship you know it's time to lift your hands. You know it's time to sing out. You know it's time to do it on your own at home and not just here on Sundays. We all have a next step in our worship. 
We all have another level we could go to, another place of surrender. If you're here and you know the Lord has been speaking to you and you say, today's the day I'm committing to take another step. This week, I'm gonna do something different in my worship. I'm gonna take another step to go a little bit deeper and further in my worship. If that's you, would you just, as a way of admitting that to the Lord and committing to him, saying, yeah, I'm gonna go deeper this week in my worship. I'm gonna take another step. I'm not gonna hang out in my ankles. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a little deeper this week. Thank you for those hands. Lord, you see the hands of all of us in this room, Lord. Many of us saying that we want to go deeper. We want more of your presence. We want more of your power. We're willing to push past our, our personalities and our preferences, God. We, we want to do it your way and have all that you have for us. Today, God, fill us fresh and new by your spirit, we pray. Hands down, if you're here still praying as a church, if, if you're here and you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's not your Lord, he's not your Savior, you may have been playing church or running away from him, but today you want to come to the Lord and you want to receive of his forgiveness and become a member of the family of God. If that's you and you want to become a family member, uh, and join God's family and, and receive salvation and forgiveness. If that's you, would you just put a hand in the air? We want to pray with you today. Say, I want to join the family of God. I want to say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. Church family, can we all pray together this prayer out loud? Uh, let's pray together. Father, Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for sending us your son to die for us. We receive your gift of salvation. We put our faith in you and in you alone. Save us, forgive us, restore us, make us sons and daughters by your spirit's work. Thank you for your love and your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord for what he's done today.